Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Ross Nation. Good evening and welcome along to the flagship show. Week four is done and in the books. And it's about that time now where if you drafted a fantasy player, they are now an IR. And I think that goes for every fantasy player that ever existed. And we're all starting Geno Smith and Cooper Rush and Mike Boone this week now. So, Murph, I hope you've dug deep into your, into your players this week because there's some, uh, some research and analysis needed here. How are you doing? You okay? I'm good, yeah. There just seems to be every every minute there just seems to be someone else goes down. I feel like Thanos is playing fantasy football and he's just he's just done that and half the players are gone. Um there is a yeah, a proverbial plethora it, of players. It feels like out. week fourteen, not week four. Like yep. in the terms of I had a, I had fantasy teams this week where I was starting I like I had a league where I had to start Rashad White. Um, <clears throat> as a running back, I had a, a league where I had to start Cole Beasley because no one else. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had leagues where I just got absolute like I, I won okay. league. I, I, I had eight wide receivers out. I had eight eight wide receivers I'm, weren't able to play. Like it's I'm still on Noah Brown. I did well enough to pick Noah Brown up after a couple of weeks, so uh, he's still filling in my flick spots at the minute and yeah. doing okay with it as well. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, there's some areas of him, but I just, it just is, it's got so strange. Evening, Jack. Nice to Jack, see you. What? 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's nuts at the moment. Like, I just, I it's hard to think of a start to, and we've had so many more just even in the last hour of players going to YR. And I think it, it, it's an interesting one. And this is why I like leagues where there's significant flex spots, because this is where, as a fantasy player, if you're listening to this kind of show, if you're doing this kind of research, yes, you are having to start the Noah Browns of this world and, and players that are really, really like obscure. But because you're doing the knowledge and you're listening and you're observing and you're, you're active, this is where, if you're playing in those leagues that are much, much deeper, either they have more flex starts or smaller benches, or something along those lines, that just make it a little bit more difficult, especially 12-team leagues, 14-team leagues, for example, the cream rises to the top in these scenarios. Whereas, <clears throat> unless you've just been absolutely destitute and you've got everyone that's injured, then, of course, that isn't going to happen. And yeah. that is just that's just rubbish. I've got teams that are 0-4, where literally I've lost Jacoby Myers uh, and... Uh, I've lost uh, Keenan Allen and I lost <laughs> Alvin Kamara and uh, now CPAT. Like, uh, I'm down to the point in, in that particular league where it's just, it's not going to happen this year. That's fine. It's painful, but that is what it is. But in other leagues where if you've just been really clever and you've just been following usage trends and you've been following, you've just picked up the Noah Browns, you picked up... Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, you know, necessary Khalil Herberts, but uh, even players like Josh Palmer, you know, these mm-hmm. sorts of players that are coming through and players that you could have continually picked up off waiver wire and, ref- and recycled and refreshed uh, players, you're going to do so much better because you might suffer one or two injuries, but you're going to exploit those injuries as well. Like um, we've been talking in the show for months about Melvin Gordon. Now Melvin Gordon all of a sudden becomes a premium asset. And if you've been listening to yeah, really well, you know. Every player fumbles the ball. I mean, every player fumbles the ball at some point. He's got point. the gyps, man. He's got the gyps. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, it's going to be a few... Um, I think it's going to be a few a few instances where we're going to have... You know, this is going to be a really interesting show now because we're going to, we're going to dive into some things we learned. Oh, yes. We're going to learn and we're going to dive into some usage trends. And, you know, and even some of the stuff we talked about last week, some of it's validated, some of it's completely flipped. Um, and that's why we do this. It's because we're trying to stay ahead of the game, but we will do. But yeah, I mean, it was a brutal week for <laughs> for a lot of teams uh, last week. I mean, it was, I mean, neither of us were there for the for the, the Saints B team nope. uh, performance. Just to be fair, I think Andy Dalton did well. I think he had a decent game considering that he had... Like, I didn't see a lot of it. I was out, so... Uh, Chris Alave and a few oh. people have chucked it. Like, he didn't have a lot there, so... Yeah, I think it was um, it was definitely a good way. It's starting to see these offenses power through now, so we're starting to see more points creep through. Unless you're a Chicago Bears fan, and that obviously is not not the case. Um, just a, a little point that uh, Stefan Diggs has scored more fantasy points than the entire um, Bears receiving core this season. I think I've scored more fantasy points than the entire <laughs> Bears receiving core, and I'm sat on my backside on the sofa right now. So, yeah. <laughs> It's Mind you, we saw a week with Leonard Fournette, right? Come up as an RB1 with minus three rush yards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is the, the year of the weird. It is, so it is a weird, it is a very weird year. Uh, yeah, Jack the Nell, Giants I've haven't got, got a QB yet. Davis yeah. Webb. <laughs> Davis Webb's, David Webb. Davis Webb in London next week. Can't wait for that. You know, well, They don't have a fit QB, but he was fit enough to block as a wide receiver. Well, 
so people were confused about this, right? I it made some <laughs> sense to me in the sense of you you you've got to have you've got to give some form of essence. At the end of the day, he was yeah. on there as bad as he was because they didn't have another QB listed. But they had nothing else they could do. It was to protect Saquon. Because if you don't have Daniel Jones out there, everyone rushes Saquon. Now, yeah. if you lose Saquon... The safety's again, down six yards off the line, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at this point, and, and Jack will probably agree with me here, Daniel Jones is, is replaceable. Saquon is not. <laughs> so, oh, he's having... Well, this is what it. I mean. So, like, at the end of the day, if you didn't have Daniel Jones out there as some form of decoy, and they thought... Oh, okay. So we're just going to line Saquon up, and they're winning the game. Don't forget this. If they're down forty to nothing, this yep. isn't happening. You're not having Saquon. They they would have pulled Saquon, and they would have put Matt Breeder in the Wildcat and just said Breeder go nuts. But they're winning the game, and it's a close game. So they have to try and maintain the ball. So that's why he's out there. That doesn't necessarily mean he's fit. We saw this in a playoff game. I'm pretty sure we saw. Was it AJ? Wasn't AJ McCarron? Ah, um, uh, who was the? I'm trying to think who the backup Philly QB was. Um, Nick Foles. Wasn't Nick Foles? It was. It wasn't AJ McCarron. It was someone like AJ McCarron, basically, yeah. who was the backup uh, in Philly a couple of years ago, and he got injured, and then he came back and he ran some wide receiver routes as decoy because they yeah. literally had no one else at wide receiver to play. But I think it's just one of those things. Um, but that's why I think Dan Jones is out. But I don't think you'll see him on Sunday. I, I, I'd be surprised. I mean, we haven't had anything today, which is, I suppose, a good sign if you are mm -hmm. a Daniel Jones truther. But, um, yeah, I think week four. <laughs> and it's only going to get worse. Every week we're going to be talking about the amount of players go down. Well, we're here now. Davis Webb, Geno Smith, Andy Dalton. Yeah. Like the, the pinnacle of QB players back. Justin Fields. Oh, wait, no, he starts every week. Oh, my bad. He, Eli Manning sat on that sofa on a Monday night football game. Yeah, it might be a job for me going somewhere soon enough. So I, I was doing some uh, I was doing some homework, actually, earlier, seeing which QBs were out there. Um, Cam Newton. Yeah, Cam Newton's out there. Yeah. Uh, he was the big one out there. But there are a few sort of Josh capable... Rosen. I think Josh Rosen has had a club for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and I think you could sign... Uh, like, I looked at a few. Because don't forget, um, New England might be without um, Ryan Fitzpatrick QB. can come back out of retirement. Yeah, I think Garrett Gilbert, I think, is out there. Uh, Josh McCown was who I was thinking of. Josh yeah. McCown is who I was thinking of uh, when I came to uh, wide receiver uh, QBs at the... Um, Philadelphia, but anyway, yes. Uh, even Ben Roethlisberger, he's out there. The, the uh, bottom line is, there's there's a I, few options out there that you could uh, you could bring into. I think I take every name we mentioned ahead of Ben, like someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's only out of retirement. If he would come back, if you could pay him on a short term deal, uh, he could step in and do a sufficient enough job. Yeah, and so uh, here's here's the list of players: Josh Johnson, Cam Newton, oh. Blake Bortles, Mike Glennon. Um, Mike Glennon's always been a steady hand as a. I think Nathan as... Peterman is still out yeah. there somewhere. Uh, I think AJ McCarron is still in the league somewhere. No. Tim Boyle. No. Uh, there's a few. Anyway, look, it's fine. The bottom line is, there's still QBs there that can come in, but we'll see what happens coming. Uh, 
AJ McCarron is on the Falcons practice squad. Well, there you go. So anyone can sign him. There you go. AJ McCarron season. Let's bring it. I'm, I'm here for it. The loser. Yep. <clears throat> I'm here for it. Uh, I am yeah. here for it. One of the things that surprised me this week, we'll get into this section, yes. is that Kenny Pickett turned up. Well, Mr. Trubisky might be on the open market if somebody needs a QB now. No. <laughs> no. Uh, listen, I think it's extraordinary. And like you've just you've just mugged off Big Ben there. But Big Ben took this team to the playoffs last season. He did, yeah. And Mitch did. Trubisky's come in, who is significantly younger, supposedly healthier, and, and all yep. this. He's been awful. Yes. Like, not as bad as Justin Fields, but he's been awful. Like, he has mm-hmm. been... Substance. Like, I, I didn't think we were going to see Kenny Pickett unless this team lost nine, ten get, games. Yeah, I thought we'd get I, I the, end. the buyers, yeah. No, I didn't think then. I, I okay. thought they would roll Trubisky out until they were out. <laughs> Stacy saying, "Sorry, Stacy." <laughs> well, no, no, no. But I, I genuinely thought this was a learning year for Pickett, and I think that was the plan. I think the idea was that's because that, that squad with that D, mm-hmm. <clears throat> with that they've got enough offensive weapons. That's a playoff team. That I team guess should, now, I'm though, not the, saying the, the way they were trending. Is, isn't the playoffs and if they carry on they won't make it so why not do it now and just see if we can shake this up a little bit true and that that is probably what they're thinking is because if they lose to half time in a game rather than give him well, for a week and run into a game and, and um, that's, but actually sometimes the best way to learn to do so is to jump on a horse and see how it goes right so and, and you, you don't have time to think you don't have time to panic or whatever you're in the game no. time get your finger and go and work on instinct and trust your feel no, and and sometimes I think these quarterbacks are held out a little bit too long, and yeah. actually that's at their detriment. Um, but I don't think the plan was to have Kenny Pickett there um, at any point, at least for the next few weeks. And so for him to be in the game was a huge surprise for me. And I thought he did reasonably well. I don't think he was. I mean, I wouldn't say he was as good as I thought he could be. I don't know. I'm saying yeah, he was as bad. You know, he, um, he he got a couple of rushing touchdowns. He sort of cut the ball more moving. They got he got them into the game. Um, I wasn't too. I mean, his stat line doesn't read well because of the interceptions. But having seen what and when and how they happened, I wasn't too fussed about him. No, one was his first throw, and okay, you get that out of your system, you move on. One was a hail mary at the end. That can happen to anybody. Yeah, that doesn't count. I so, don't count those. No, me neither. So, what did the concern stat score. me is the two rushing touchdowns. If you're an owner of Najee Harris sat here now, or even one of the receivers, is that going to be a, a continual thing? Yeah, six rushes, 15 yards, but but two scores in that. If you're sitting here on Najee Harris now, does that concern you? <laughs> There's something with Najee Harris, right? So there is something, the way that he's being used. You know, we're used to Najee Harris having a pretty much 100% role. I talked mm-hmm. about this a little bit last week, that Jalen Warren... Got a little bit of usage. He's getting little bits of usage here and there, Jalen Warren. Like, he is getting some carries. There's definitely not all is right with Najee Harris. I think if we get to the point where they are out of contention, I think you'll see Najee Harris. If I'm an owner of Najee Harris right now, I'm trading him uh, in redraft. Because I can see a scenario now where if they don't make the playoffs or they're not in playoff contention, they're going to shut him down. Or they're going to just really significantly cut back his, his role. I will say, his because returns aren't what they were not, last year. He's not that down on attempts, but his yardage is way down right he's now. Got, so he isn't delivering when he has the a, opportunity. Well, that's because he's got a Liz Frank injury. So it's an ongoing injury, mm-hmm. right? He's playing hurt. 
And that's what I mean in the sense of it's either going to go really catastrophically wrong yep. or he's going to play at this sort of 70, 75% production because he's not 100% <clears throat> fit. And that's an issue because he's not going to deliver these big numbers that fantasy owners are used to having. But he's going to deliver. He should deliver enough numbers to warrant starting, considering what we're seeing at the position anyway. It's just an interesting... If you if you took Najee Harris with a very early pick and redraft, you're probably not going to see your return on that. But what you are hoping is that he can stay healthy long enough to at least give you something. Or if you can trade him. The problem is, if you're going to trade him... You've got to trade him to someone who doesn't know what's going on. But this is the other thing. I, I want to just look into Harris because it's it struck me a little bit. So this week he had his most rushing attempts and he had his most yardage on the season so far. Yeah, he had his lowest fantasy score. Now he's only got one touchdown, so it's not because of because of that. What does strike me is he didn't have one target in the air game. No, um, and I don't know. Obviously, Pickett came in at half time. If that's going to be a continuing trend, that would really concern me right now. Because, okay, when he's yeah, having 15 I, attempts for 56 yards like he did in week three, he still put up 15 points. He got a score. He put up 16 the week before without a score because he had six targets, five receptions for 40 yards. But without the targets, at the minute, his running game isn't enough to sustain him holding an RB spot down. No, but I think that's more down to how bad the Steeler offense has been. And I think that's the, the other side of this coin, is the Steelers have put up uh, 23, including overtime. So mm-hmm. it was 20 points in a regular game. And by the way, the D scored seven of those. Um, so they scored really 13 offensive points, 14 offensive points, 17 offensive points, and then 20 offensive points. And I think actually in that... No, there wasn't a defensive score in there. But that's what I mean. They're, they're struggling to put up points right now. And then you've got you've got this change at QB. Basically, it's just not working. Mm-hmm. And I would say, look, you're right about the targets. It's not good. There isn't targets. But the bottom line is his yards per reception have been extremely poor all season. You know, 1.5 yards per reception in week one, 1.67 in year in week three. They're not going to get anything done. Yeah, you get the token reception points, but they're not going to do anything. The 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 thing that things that are interesting me is more the snap counts. Um, seventy one percent in week two, eighty percent in week three, seventy five percent in week four. He played less in week one because he came into the game hurt. Yeah, we're used to Najee Harris having ninety percent, eighty five percent. You know, even at seventy five percent, that's still not the volume that you need. The, the one thing that w- I would say going behind the box score is... three look, games under 75% last year. Yeah. And that's <clears throat> and that's what I'm saying is we're not used to this. But the one thing I would say is he's still getting close to 20 touches a game. Mm-hmm. And that is still going to be enough to sustain him at a low-end RB1, high-end RB2 level. And that's my point is he, he's still going to put up the numbers regardless because of the volume. The volume is going to be there. It's just not enough especially is what you're saying in the passing game, to elevate him into the upper echelon. He's not going to be in those top five, top six backs. And that's where you drafted him. But what you don't want now as a Najee Harris owner, and this is where I would try and move him on if I could, is if you, what you don't want is him to be shut down or, or taken out through injury. Yeah. Because 
both of those things can easily happen. The Steelers team now is what one and three. They've lost to the Jets. They've lost to they won they won a game on opening day that they shouldn't have won. That's the that's yeah. just the fact of the matter. And then you you look at their next couple of games. You know they lost to New England, who don't look great. They lost to the Browns, who look all right, but they don't look great. And then they lost to and they got beaten like hammered by the Browns. And then they lost to the Jets. I mean, it's not good. Re- they've got they've still got to play Baltimore twice. They've yeah. still got to play the Bengals again. They've still got to play the Browns again. Like it's not looking great for the Steelers, and they've got a difficult schedule as it is. They've got Tampa Bay in there, they've got the Eagles in there, they've got the Colts yeah, in I mean, there. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a tough, tough <clears throat> schedule. And Buffalo next week. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, <laughs> I think it, I think for me, what I would need now as an RG Harris owner, I'd need clarity at the quarterback position because the worst thing you could see now is Mitch Trubisky come back. I think if, you, if you've moved to pick it, they can't bring him back now, surely. You say that. We've seen this time and time again where they, they play a rookie and then they go back to the veteran and then they just flip-flop. We saw it in Miami a couple of years ago. Yeah. We've seen it. We've seen it time and time again. It does happen. It is just that case of if they do think that they can win better with Jabitsky, then it is it is a significant problem mm-hmm. um, for Najee. Well, I don't think it's a significant problem for Harris. I think it's a significant problem for the offense because we've seen now for three and a half games what this offense is under Trubisky, which is yep. it's not good. Whether it's, at least with Pickett, for me, it can't get a lot worse. So it, mm-hmm. it can only get better. And that's where I think, actually, if it went to Pickett, I think you'll see Deontay Johnson come into the game. <clears throat> I think you'll see, I think you'll see more. I think you will, you will see more from Najee Harris because I think you'll there. see opportunities there. Stacey, our Steelers fan reckons they'll go back and give Mitch one last chance. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, look, I don't, and, and here's the thing, right? This contract that they signed him to, it wasn't like they were betting the franchise. That's why yeah. they drafted <clears throat> Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Um, in the first round, you know, they, it's not a monetary thing that they're playing Mitch Chabitsky. They they're playing him because they severely believe that he is the best person for them. I don't know if I agree, but at the same point, I can see Stacey's point because I'm thinking, well, you've built the offense around him effect- effectively this season because that's why you brought him in. You've bought Pickett in for next year. I can see a scenario, but I also think, well, you've benched him. You've made that decision to bench him. It's three and a half games. Yeah. And you've made that decision now that your offense is not working. So we're going to try something different. And I think you you, you need you, to see how that goes. You need to see how that goes. Because I think it's detrimental <clears throat> to keep flip-flopping. And we talked about this in last week's show where we talked about an offense that was continually we talked about it with Denver, where they were continually yep. trying different things, different personnel groupings, different scenarios to just try and get <clears throat> something going on offense. <clears throat> and it wasn't working. And you know what? It's still not working. Why? Because they still continue to do things that are completely different. At the end of the day, you, you make a course correction, you see how that goes, and then you adjust. Yeah. You can't just keep chopping and changing. But we'll see what happens. But I think the bottom line is I would be slightly concerned. I think if I could get out of Najee Harris right now and I could get something close to his value, I'm probably taking it. Because I do think this Liz Frank injury, as you say, it is causing some uh, production deficiency from what we would expect. And that is because he is hurt. But he's, he's not hurt enough to miss time. Yeah. It's also the uncertainty surrounding it. So 
So we were surprised yeah. to see Pickett. We were surprised to see him do fairly well, I think. Um, there's two other backup QBs or one backup QB that's doing... The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Really well right now in Cooper Rush in Dallas. Cooper Rush has been <clears throat> incredible, right? So he yeah. is, I think he's 4-0 now as an NFL he is starter. 4-0, yes. yeah, he is. 4-0 as an NFL <clears throat> starter. They've won their last three games yeah. off the back of Cooper Rush. I mean, you're talking about <clears throat> rolling the dice here. And you know, you're thinking if you're Dallas, you lose Dak Prescott for three to four weeks. You're thinking, do you know what? If we can go 500 over this stretch, yeah, that's, hang a, in there. Yeah. that's a win. <clears throat> Yeah. This is bonus ball now from Cooper Rush. And he's played well. Like, I'm not sitting here saying he's QB of the year and he, he should be going to the Pro Bowl or whatever they're going to yeah. call it now. But, you know, he went 15 to 27 for 223 and two TDs and didn't turn over the ball. He averaged eight and a half yards per attempt. He had 11 yards uh, depth of target. I mean, like, at the end of the day, Second Cooper side. Rush is playing solid football. And, yeah. As a QB, as a backup QB, you know, he's doing better than a significant number of, of starting QBs right now yeah, yeah. because he's just playing, he's playing to his strengths. It's just a case of, and look, it helps that he has one. He hasn't had Gallup and they've still lost Amari Cooper and Schultz has banged up one of them games. And yeah, yeah. Still but, he's still, but he still has CD Lamb, he still has Zeke Elliott, he still yeah. has Tony Pollard, yeah. you know, he still has. He still has players, Noah Brown. He still has players that he can throw the ball to. What he also has is a, is a competent offensive line, yep. and that does help, and a good D. So the D is making stops. He's getting time to play. They're making yep. the most of it. Decent field but position. Yeah. But, but this is the difference between, and I'm not going to try and give Mick McCarthy too much credit here, but this is about making adjustments to you know, in order to try and win football games, the first thing you got to do is have the football. You've got to make adjustments to keep the football as long as possible. I, I think them bringing in Dan Campbell was a masterstroke there on that defense. Um, not Dan Campbell. Not Dan Campbell. Who do I mean him? <laughs> you do mean oh, Dan? Oh, his last name's completely escaped me. Well, um, I want it. Oh God, former coach of the Vikings. Um, no, the Falcons. Oh. His name is completely... Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. That's yes. who I meant. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. No, that has massively helped him. Um, but it's not just that. I mean, good, because you've got a team that can stop the ball. They, they, you know, they can they can stop drives. We've seen this consistently last season. We've seen it consistently this season. But what they have done is they're scheming Cooper Cup to say, look, we don't want you to do things that you can't do. We're not going to ask you to get outside the pocket too much. We're not going to ask you to do loads of things to your legs like Dak does. We're not going to ask you to throw loads of deep balls. What we're going to do is we're just going to ask you to just play safety ball, play between the numbers, 
just to get those plays, five yard, ten yard plays. Just keep getting chunk plays and just keep taking the ball downfield. But more importantly, hold on to the football. Just don't turn the ball over, and we're going to be and fine. We'll be in every game, yeah. And that is half the battle in in this. But the other half is just making sure that you go on drives that take up clock. Because yeah. whilst you've got the ball, your defense can rest, then they get better. And that's ultimately where good coaching has come in. And that's not what we're seeing from other teams. Tampa is a great example of deficient coaching so far this season yeah, yeah. because you've got a team like they they had the ball for less than 22 minutes last night yeah, you're right. not going to win football games that often with the ball with less than 22 minutes you have to make sure that you can balance an attack that you know the buccaneers have not managed i, I can't recall or they must have done but i can't recall many if any plays where they've used play action so they're not they're not selling the run or the pass. It's one or the other. It's very telegraphed, and they're relying on skill to beat players. That works to a degree, but it doesn't work week in, week out. We see it with the Bears. People sit there and they blame the Bears' O-line for this start. It's not. It's a combination of scheme, talent. Yes, the offensive line is a big part of that, but it's, it's on the quarterback. He's got to make plays. He has plenty of times he's got the ball in his hand and he doesn't make the throw. Like, it, there is a point where everything comes into play here. It, it, but it's coaching. Coaching is the fundamental line of all of that. Because if you were looking at Justin Fields and you think, right, he's really struggling right now. What we need to do is give him throws that he can make. Yeah. Would We don't try and get him to do things he can't do. We'll yeah. try and get him things <clears throat> he can do. And do you know what that means? Build that confidence. You build the confidence. You give him some some simple screens. You give him some flats. Yeah. You give him some, you know, you Crossing scheme over receivers. Exactly yeah. that. Just a few short curl routes from receivers. Yeah. Whatever needs to be done so that Justin Fields can just start getting completions. He's completing 50.7% <coughs> of his passes. So give him higher percentage plays. Give him yeah. plays that he's going to make. And then, and then all of a sudden, you start breeding a bit of confidence, and then he can start pinging some deep balls, rather than sitting there and asking him to try and just do something every single play. The Hollywood pass every time, yeah. And that that that's what kills me is you just sit there and you see this across the league. There's certain teams that are very good at just making sure that their quarterback can make plays, and there's certain teams that just can't do it. The Niners have done it for the last two years with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> You play to the um, strengths of the quarterback. That's the most important position. And that's what the Steelers need to do now. And they need to do that under Kenny Pickett. But there's other teams that need to do that as well. Cool. But so that's what that's the... why Cooper Rush has been good. Because yeah. it's good coaching, good scheme. But don't take anything away from Cooper Rush. He still had to he's deliver. Still deliver. Yeah, of course he yeah. has. And another QB that delivered this week is Geno Smith up in Seattle. More yeah, throwing I mean, attempts, more throwing touchdowns than Russ ever had while he was there at the minute. Uh, I mean, QB7 on the week. He is top seven in passer rating this season. Yeah. He's had a phenomenal season. Like, at the end of the day, if you are if you are the Seahawks front office right now, you must be laughing because his production levels are about on par with what Russell Wilson was doing yeah. in his last couple of years. Perfect. Only <laughs> you've, got all the, you've got all the assets that you've got with him. Now, granted, the players you've got probably aren't doing load. Like, Drew Locke is now an afterthought. His NFL career is pretty much hanging in tatters. Noah Fant isn't really... I mean, I know he scored at the weekend, but let's be honest, he's he's not really panned out the way that we kind of hoped he would in the NFL, no. at, least, at least I hope. But, you know, you've got Shelby Harris. He's done he's done some good things on that team. Um, when fit, although he's not always been fit. Um, 
but you've got the picks and and you don't have and the thing is you got the money as well. I think it's yeah. an interesting <clears throat> the, the thing that they're going to have now. Do you think Seattle. they can keep Gino going forward in years and build around him now? With well, that that's now we've you know, the got time the of the trade. It seemed like a, a make weight. Get through the year, pick up a QB next year, and and move. But well, he's delivering we, right now. Well, we <clears> thought that Seattle would be a bottom five team, right? Yeah. We thought that with everything that they've got rid of, we Especially thought they're the a bottom yeah. they're a bottom five team. They'll get a QB next year. And that could still happen. But I think what happens is if Gino keeps, you know, that division, with the exception of the Rams, you look at the teams in there and you think, wow, this is going to be a really tough division for them to perform in. Arizona don't look good right now. They really, really don't look good. And then you've got San Francisco on their backup QB. If I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the rest of the NFC, you know, NFC right now, Let's look at who you would say are the potential studs of the NFC. The Rams is the Super Bowl champions. The the Packers, because they're the Packers and they play in the easiest yeah. division. Tampa on their day can Tampa, but they're the two and two. Yeah. The yeah, but now you've got the with Eagles. their schedule though, they've got to wait and see how they pan out. Yeah, but, but all right, but they're up there. They still the only beat what's in front of them and they're beating but them. But the Eagles, so. the Cowboys. So you say right now, Packers, maybe the Vikings, Cowboys. Eagles, Bucks, Rams. So you have a seventh spot, effectively, yep. that is wide open. Yeah, I would say it's wide open, six and seven. But I think, especially the seventh spot, you're looking yep. at what the you're looking at the Falcons, the 49ers, the Cardinals. You're looking for second place in that division. Probably gets the seventh seed. Yep. The Seahawks are in the mix. If Gino keeps playing the way he's playing, they're in the mix. I'm not going to say they're going to get there, but they're in the mix. And that's not something that anyone would have predicted. Do I think they get there? Probably not. But I think what they're going to do is they end up going to win enough games to where they're not going to get the QB that they want. So now that does put them, you know, for Geno Smith, this is a great opportunity because if Geno Smith wins enough games, every game that he wins takes them further away from the opportunity to to draft his replacement. He's not only playing for another shot, he's playing for his career in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, and the further he pushes that pick back, the more chance he's got. Yeah, I mean, I do think they have Denver's first, and that looks like that could be pretty high right now. So maybe, maybe that's not quite. I, I think if he continues as he is, they'll use the earlier picks to strengthen elsewhere in the roster, mm-hmm. and then they won't pick up a premium QB that this clamor is going to be for. They'll pick up a an Anthony Richardson type person somewhere down the line and take a gamble on it. And if they sit him like Pickett has or something like that, then so mm. be it next year. And I think they'll pick up a a future prospect as opposed to a, someone looking to come in and be an immediate star. That could happen. But I think right now you're looking at it and I'd say the two QBs I'd be dabbing off the waiver wire would be, you know, Jared Goff and, and Gino Smith. And I think if you'd said that to anybody in, in early September, I think most people would have laughed at you. But Gino Smith has put up some really, really good numbers. You know, last week, you know, 320 passing yards, two TDs. You know, he's putting up some really, really big numbers, but he also added 49 yards rushing, which is not what anyone expected from Geno Smith. I think you're looking at Geno Smith now as someone who's just capable. He's almost like Cooper Rush in that way. He's capable. He's not going to sit there and shoot the lights out, although he has been. I I will expect some form of regression. But again, what both those QBs have done, and again, this goes back to coaching. They're not turning the football over. They're not making those key crucial mistakes that puts their jobs at risk. And I think if Geno Smith, as long as he doesn't turn over the football at a regular pace, he's going to have a great job of hanging, you know, a great chance of hanging on. Drew Locke, I think, is is borderline finished. I don't think he gets another job. I mean, like the Giants could... need somebody. Can have a two week loan or three week loan. 
Well, yeah, I don't know what the Giants do. Um, well, there's a few teams. Because at the minute they're three and one, they're competing. They're probably not going to want to throw this away and not have a. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Standard average quarterback. No. What it costs them to go and get one, is that worth it? I don't know. But who but who who do you get now? Like if I'm sitting there and I'm looking at I'm looking if I'm the Giants, right? GM, and I'm sitting there thinking like what it's gonna cost to get a QB right now versus and as well getting one ready for Sunday. Because don't forget, yeah, you've got to bring one in, then you've got to fly him to London. And then you, he's going to have one trade. Like the bottom line is that's not going to happen. Realistically, they're not going to bring anyone in. It's it's just not. You're going to not have to roll way. with Davis Webb because Davis Webb knows the playbook. He's been there he for a couple of years. He knows he's he's practiced the plays. He's on the um, you know, the squad that plays the first team every every week. So you know, at the bottom line, it's scout team. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Um, they've got all you know. He's going to be there. He's going to start. If if Daniel Jones can't go, Tyrod's not going to go because there's so, no way they're going to let him on the plane with a concussion. It's so, not going to happen. Two or three so, concussion, but yeah. What's that? Two or three home from Cincinnati with a concussion. Well, yeah, and <laughs> we all know how that turned out. So, yeah. but you're not going to try a transatlantic flight, and that's no. um, that's you know, I just can't see a scenario where Tyrod travels to London and plays. So it's going to be Davis Webb on the plane regardless. So then you're looking at that and you're looking at him versus Jones. Yeah, I mean, it's how good is Jones, his ankle, and is he going to be able to go? But I don't think you're going to see much in terms of... I don't think you're going to see an opportunity for them to trade this week. I don't think Daniel Jones' injury is going to be bad enough for him to miss multiple weeks. Fair. So statistical trends we like to touch on each week. We talk about things to monitor and look forward to and what's changing and how people are performing. Um, yeah, just before we get into that, it's just a yeah, point sorry, I wanted yeah. to, it was a point I wanted to make, right? And it's something that it gets said a lot and it's something that good fantasy players will follow. But I want to pass on this advice because I think it's really crucial for people who are trying to pick up not just wave wire pickups but start sit decisions and i want to yep. kind of lift the curtain a little bit because this weekend more than any other this is so so true when we're struggling to pick players who are going to either break out or we're starting with start sit decisions one of the criteria i use is um nfl betting lines right yep. Um, and the reason I use, and I look more specifically at the over and under, I want to know the total points in the game because yeah. I want to make sure I've got as many players started in the games that's supposed to be most high scoring. Why? More opportunities equals more points, etc. Yeah. Right? It seems quite obvious, but people will tend to lean towards talent or 
game situation without necessarily accruing that in. The reason why it's so important is that, believe it or not, more often than not, and especially this week, they're not often wrong. And the players that appear in the games with the the quote-unquote bookies' highest scoring games tend to be at the top of fantasy football charts. So, for example, this week... That makes sense, right? A higher score, more touchdowns, more touchdowns, more opportunities to score. And the quickest and easiest way to find that information is look and Google NFL um, betting lines over and under, right? And then it will pull it up. So I've got last week's betting lines. Uh, Just waiting for it to reload here. And the betting lines for last week, the biggest game on the schedule was uh, Bills uh, at Ravens, which was 51, which, okay, didn't quite live up to that torrential, but the weather kind of killed that, right? The second highest scoring game on the slate was Seahawks at Lions, 48 points, right? Who was number one in fantasy football so far this week? TJ Hawkinson of the Lions, right? Who's number four? Jared Goff of the Lions. Who's number five? Geno Smith of of Seattle, right? Number nine, Rashard Penny. So four players in the top 10 have come from that game. In, in PPR scoring. And we haven't got to Jamal Williams. He can't be a million miles off that top 10 either at the minute. No, exactly. So <laughs> Jamal Williams was 20th. Okay. 20th. Yeah. So that's a quarter. Five in 20 is a quarter of the players in the top 20 production this week came from that one game. Yeah. <clears throat> in that one game. And 32 teams and two of them contribute to 20%. The next game in the slate... Uh, by the way, so we're talking about that... Uh, Buffalo Josh Allen was in the top 20, by the way. So, okay. but yeah, the rain kind of ruined that and you would have to have adapted accordingly. Right. Next highest game on the slate. So we had Seahawks Alliance at 48. The next highest game on the slate. Tampa, Kansas? No. Um, oh. It was Browns at Falcons, 47 okay. and a. Yeah, <clears throat> Browns yeah they both scored over 26, haven't they? The game so far. Yeah, so you had the Browns, Browns at Falcons. You had a lot of players that started to appear, not quite necessarily in the top 20, um, but you had a lot of players sort of touching the fringes there, um, especially in the ground game. Nick Chubb, for particular, was in there. <coughs> um, you know, they've made reasonable finishes. But ultimately, you know, that game did produce some performances, but maybe not quite as well. Yeah. It was also hampered by the weather. Next game on the slate, though, was Jacksonville and the Eagles, mm-hmm. which, again, features heavily here. So um, you had, for example, Miles Sanders, eighth on the week. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Where else? Trevor here? Lawrence won't be very high. No, no, no. Trevor Lawrence didn't have a good game. Um, there's a few. Sorry, I've just seemed to have missed. By the way, I missed Josh Reynolds. He was inside the top 30 this week. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, the... I just lost my screen. But, you know, Jalen Hurts would have been inside the top 50 this week. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of players. And, you know, it's easy to say, you know, Jalen Hurts, etc. Just out of curiosity, if you've got the betting lines there, what was the bottom? Are we going was, with the Bears? The bottom game, I think, was... Uh, no. Uh, bottom, oh, it was. Sorry, yeah. The Bears and the yeah. Giants, 39.5%. I'm going to say one. I bet there isn't many inside the top... 70 or 80 players. Yeah. Um, so I tell you now, in the top 100 players, right? Yep. So I'm just going to do New York Giants. Daniel yep. Jones. I think Daniel Jones was well, the highest scoring. Was but he? he was the high. Yeah. 
Daniel Jones was the highest scoring giant. So he was 27th. Okay. Saquon was 41st. Yeah. The Giants DST was 53. Okay. 53rd on the week. And that's it for the Giants. The Chicago in the Bears in, in the top 100. The Chicago Bears inside the top 100. So they had less in the top 100, including their defense, yeah. than Detroit had in the top 20. Right. How many Chicago players made it in the top 100? Zip. Two. Two Phil made Harvard, it. Maybe. High, highest player was Darnell. No, highest, highest oh. player was Darnell Mooney, 77th. Oof. And then in 80th, in 80th, was Michael Badgley, the kicker, who they just signed 24 hours before the game. <laughs> so you have three players. So you have four, five players in total in the top 100. One was Including a DST, defense and kicker. Yeah. One was a TST, one was a kicker, and only Daniel Jones made the top 50. And that's why the betting lines matter. Yep. Is, you know, all those players, you know, you could assign. And I talked about Richard Grant, someone's got to catch the ball, etc. But yep. ultimately, you've got to look at these matchups and think, well, if they're not high-scoring games, they're, they're games that you shouldn't be signing, or you shouldn't be making start-sit decisions on. You need to be make sure. Same with Commanders and Cowboys. Not that many high-scoring players uh would have featured that week patriots yeah patriots versus uh packers was the second now patriots packers second lowest scoring game on the slate bb had romeo dub 60 uh, 74th aaron jones 67th and they had rogers and lazard in the top 50 okay and i don't think new england would have had anyone in the top 50 maybe oh let's see Zappy. So Damien Harris was 59th. Damien Harris was the highest scoring. He and he was the and Stevenson. So the two okay. running backs were inside the top hundred. That was it. Wow. There is a what I will say is the betting lines are conducted and created by a lot of people with a lot of information and a lot at stake. That's why yeah. they do not get it wrong often. Right. And I th- <laughs> so- and I think. And by the way, so people don't perhaps know what is a good number, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say anything sub 43 okay. on the betting line. 45 is my benchmark. I work too. Yeah, yeah. But I think in fantasy football, you, it depends on yeah. the size of your league, right? But I'm thinking 12 teams with a couple of flex spots, you're starting eight to 10 players. Yeah. I think you've got to lower that threshold slightly. Just to look at, it depends on the value of the teams and the players you've got. Because on your 45, for example, um, you would have missed, for example, the Chargers. Okay. Who were at 44. Yeah. So I think that's why I opened the window a little bit to 43. Um, anything under 43 is a, is a real concern for me. Um, like Jet Steelers wouldn't have had many of them playing unless they're studs. Now, if they're studs, it's very different. Yeah. But if they're not, like... For me, Deontay Johnson was there. Yeah, yeah. Deontay Johnson was a sit for me this week, unless absolutely desperate. And I was desperate to start him in places because I had no one else. <laughs> but if I had plenty of options, he sat on my bench because of the fact it was a low. It was one of the factors. It wasn't all of it, but it was one of the facts. Um, yeah, would, would have been the betting lines. And so you know, look at the Vegas betting lines. Look at anything under forty three. And unless you've got a stud in that game, like a Jonathan Taylor or you know, you've got a top a top twenty player or top twenty four player in that position. So, like the like the Packers game, 
you probably would have started Aaron Rodgers. You probably would have started, and Romeo Dobbs was a good Aaron was Jones, a good bet, yeah. given the fact that you didn't have anyone else potentially getting the ball. Those situations are fine as long as you've worked through them, and you it's like working through your progressions. It's a different set of data points, but. You know, I would have been fading Commanders and Cowboys. I faded Noah Brown on that basis because I just didn't think the volume was going to be yeah. there. It didn't work out to be a bad play unless you were desperate. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But at the same point, he wasn't that same high ceiling that he had been in previous weeks because Gallup was back. You know, all those factors led to me sitting Noah Brown pretty much everywhere I had him because where I, where I could afford to. But yeah, that Bears Giant game, I picked up Richie, Richie Grant. I picked up in so many places, didn't play him anywhere unless I had yeah. to because it just was not a good game. <laughs> Depends who's throwing the ball. If Daniel Jones is in, and I'll look at the betting line, especially against the Packers, I quite fancy it. I think that would be a much <clears> better <throat> game suited to the script. But yeah. I just wanted to make that point that especially this week, but also but just a lot of weeks, when you're making start-sit decisions, look at the betting lines and just think, if you're stuck between two players, look at the over-under of both those games. And if one is significantly higher than the other, lean that right way. Yep. Fair. Sound advice. The other thing I would caveat with is <clears throat> injury opportunity. Yeah. As soon as somebody like <clears throat> Michael Thomas was out, even if the game score is still low, someone like Chris Olave has to be elevated. So if you're on that choice... Just consider that as well. You talked about studs, play studs almost regardless. Mm. I would just also take into consideration the injury opportunity that presents itself as 100%. well. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, opportunity trumps everything for me, right? Yep. So regardless of how good or how bad your team is, if the op- so for example, <coughs> Melvin Gordon now for me, regardless of who they play, is a must start most weeks now. Yep. Um, until I see otherwise. Yep. Because the opportunity now is just massive. So it's completely different. Like in those scenarios, the Denver Broncos could be in the lowest scoring game next week. I'm still starting Melvin Gordon unless I don't he see a reason. He will probably pick up a score on 40, 50 yards anyway. So. Because of the fact there's not that many people now that yeah. carry the ball. It's him and Mike Boone. Yeah. Mike Boone is not going to get the same workload as Melvin Gordon. It's just not going to happen. So, or at least until it does happen. So, you know, there as you say, injury opportunity is is a massive, massive thing. And if the opportunity an opportunity trumps everything, so yeah. like for example, Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey are going to be must starts every week, not just because they're studs, but because they're studs because of the opportunity. They're always yeah. going to get it regardless. Fair. Sound advice. Love the advice. Um, and I don't think it's something people do factor in enough, and it's something I've factored into DFS a lot more over the yeah. last sort of year, eighteen months. So. Um, 
And you had, a big, win. You had, a, you had a big win this week. I had a fair win this week, yes. Um, four of your Lions Seahawks were in my team. So that helped. Well, there you go. And I, um, think, <clears throat> I think, yeah. as you say, that's something you've got to consider is you've got to look at this. And, and you almost said this is where the DFS part of redraft comes in. Because when you get the situations we've got now and you've got all these injuries and you're stuck with these start-sit decisions, this is where they really do make a big difference. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm completely Super. on board. So I, I started going in before you jumped into okay. sound advice, which is great because I missed it on the sheet. There's too many paragraphs here. <laughs> My eyes are too tired. Statistical trends. And one we started with last week was Brees Hall and Michael Carter and how Brees Hall was slowly starting to see the opportunities increase over Michael Carter in New York. Um, and you now soundly believe he has taken over. Yeah, massively taken over now. Um, <clears throat> let's just look at the raw stats. 17 times, for, uh, 17 rushes, 66 yards, a touchdown. He also caught two passes, but it was off six targets yep. uh, for 12 yards. So yep. he was already he being up used. for 25. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, you're looking at... He already had the passing down work. We talked about that last week. Yep. Um, and he's going to continue to take that role. But now... and. The other factor is he's had 26 targets this season. It's the second most of any running back. So he's getting thrown a lot of balls uh, for a I running back. I will say I saw a few snaps with him as well where they were both on the field and they were yeah. using Michael Carter as a fullback for yeah. Brees Hall. Um, and I think, it wasn't I think who has the handoff. It was that way around. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think you're going to see more and more of this now uh, over the coming weeks where you're going to see Michael Carter still have a role, but he's not as fantasy relevant now. Yeah. Everything is going Brees Hall's way. We knew this was going to happen. We just weren't sure when it was going to happen. Yeah. But the key thing is that this was the first week that in the early down stats, and that is where Michael Carter has been leading, although that's been diminishing every single week, Brees Hall had the clear advantage. So he also got 100% of the goal line work this week. So really now, Brees Hall is leading in every single facet of the game of a running back. Bar He's getting all the start. Yeah. And that's that's what's really key is – He's now he's already had all the third down work. He had all the passing down work. He had the goal line work. Now he's getting the early down work. He now becomes a complete back, not quite a bell cow, yeah. but you're now looking at sort of the numbers that you would expect from a low end RB one, high end RB two, which is oh, what people weird. were hoping uh, was going to happen to him. I've just Fair. had some breaking news that Jahar Dotson is going to miss one to two weeks oh. for a hamstring injury. Okay. Didn't see that one coming anywhere, but um, yeah, Jahan Dotson is out for one to two weeks. Shame. Um, so but yeah, so Brees Hall is dominating, he's now dominating, he's taken over. He is now, he's he either will be the start, or you're going to see what basically was happening in Tampa last year, where they might name Michael Carter as the starter but that's because he takes the opening snap and actually then Brees Hall takes over. It doesn't really matter who the starter is in fantasy football uh, at the running back position, because if you've got a team that's got two, it doesn't really matter. It's all about the usage. And all the usage says that Brees Hall is the guy now in uh, New Jersey, and he is going to kick on even more. So if now you are thinking of starting Michael Carter, don't. Don't drop him, because you never know what might happen, but don't start him. Because it's all Brees Hall. So on that note, another rookie that got drafted in who I expected to start taking over the the workload is Kenneth Walker up in uh, Seattle. And that's not quite... We touched on Rashad Penny and his delivery. A bit like Gino 
he's literally playing for his job right now and um, he's delivering as well. So we're not quite seeing Ken Walker get his opportunity in the same way as Brees Hall is. No, and while they're competing, I don't think you're going to, Dan. 151 <laughs> yards, 17 carries, uh, two touchdowns. He also caught a six-yard pass. But again, similar to Hall, he's now got the clear lead on early down work, goal yep. line situations, uh, and he's getting a lot more snaps. What's really key with Penny, and this is something we've never seen from him, is he's getting the third and long work. Okay. So traditionally, that was a Chris Carson role. Yeah, it was a Chris Carson role, or it was somebody else who would yeah. who would be taking uh, sort of that third and three or longer. DJ it's Dallas really used to do a bit of yeah, it. Yeah, DJ Dallas. Um, Travis Holmes on IR, so he can't yeah. take it. <clears throat> but, but you know he got four snaps in this game of third and three and longer which is more than he's had in any game in the last three years okay. so he is really dominating every single phase of the game similar to Brees Hall and he's, he's still healthy through four phase. weeks which is a yeah. miracle in itself right and that's the one <laughs> caveat with with, yep. with Sharp Penny is <clears throat> he can get injured and probably more likely will because that's what we see but right now Ken Walker can't stop. You can't start him anywhere. Right. You, he literally has absolutely no significant role in this offense. Yeah. So you have to get to the point now where, if you're Rashad Penny, you start him with confidence. If you Ken Walker or anyone else, they sit. Don't drop. You never know what might happen. But for me, the difference between Carter and Walker is that Walker should be ascending at some point, and it's not happening. In fact, his role is diminishing. I had him picked for this game. He was in yeah. that DFS lineup we spoke about. I had him in that spot because I thought this will be the highest scoring game that he will get opportunities if they get a front of lead. Um, so I gambled on him as a budget play. Uh, I was hoping this would be the week for Kenny Walker. And it, yeah. it won't to be. No. And I think that's the, the tricky part now is if you don't have, if you, if you know, if you're holding shares of Ken Walker in redraft, he is a droppable commodity in the sense of if you've got someone on the waiver wire, you need to pick up. Yep. I try and hold him a couple more weeks because if they are scoring bench, points. Yeah. If you've got a big enough bench, I'd hold him. If it's a shallow bench, you can drop him. But it's not looking good in the short term or medium term for Ken Walker right now. Everything trends towards uh, Rashad. Uh, yeah, Rashad Penny. By the way, there was a question earlier, and I wanted to get back to it, is yes. uh, Melvin Gordon's stocks rises. Boom worth an ad. Um I would if you've got space, but I wouldn't be starting Boone at this stage. No, I yeah, I, if you've got space, I think there's other players uh, I would much rather be targeting off the waiver wire. But if he is literally uh, the best out there in your waiver wire, and that could happen in your league, I would. But I think it's Melvin Gordon. I wouldn't say it's, Melvin Gordon's season. Yeah. Let's, let's not forget this offense is awful, right? It's been it's been awful. Let's not talk about Melvin Gordon as all of a sudden he becomes a, a fantasy football league winner. But Melvin Gordon becomes now a must-play asset. But I'm not talking him in a top 10 role. He's going to be still an RB2 because that offense is so bad. that yeah. He's not all of a sudden become... Melvin Gordon now strikes me as Devin Singletary. In a part what should yeah. be a pass-first offense with a backfield to himself and somebody just doing a little bit while he has a breather. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think and that's... they both sound flex plays, given any week. Yeah, I, I don't think you're fine. He, he, he's basically a level down from Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs. Yeah. That's in his right level with, with Singletree and Cam Akers. Love the segue because your next person on your yes. statistical analysis is Josh Jacobs. Look at that. 
Yeah, I know. You think I've done this before, right? (laughs) Josh Jacobs came into the season, and we weren't even sure that Josh Jacobs. Yeah, he played week pre week one preseason, and everyone went ballistic. Oh, well, he's not going to have a role, and whatever. I still took. The good thing is, it caused enough of a discount that I ended up picking up shares of Josh Jacobs. I didn't even think I was going to own because he found such a value. I was getting the fifth round. I was yeah. like, yeah, I'll take a chance there because he's better than anything else you're going to get in that round at running back. And now he's starting to deliver some some decent results. Um, and I'm going to talk about why this happened this week. 28 rushes, 144 yards, two touchdowns, five passes for 31 yards, right? Yeah. You look at that and you think that's a bell cow roll. This is monstrous, but it's only just happened. It hasn't. This usage and this... The volume's not been there, but the usage and the way he's been used has been the same all season. He is dominating this position. It's now people have gone and realized, oh, maybe Josh Jacobs doesn't have competition. He's not had competition all season. You know, he's absolutely dominated the early down snaps. 86% of the early down snaps have gone to Josh Jacobs this season. 86%. That's a huge number of usage. He's got the clear majority of snaps in short yard situations and the goal line in the two minute drill. Six he's pretty much well dominated. Five targets last week. So he's yeah. picked up the catching work as well. Yeah. <clears throat> the only, the only phase of the game he doesn't dominate is third down. He never has. That's never been his role. He's never had a third down role. That's always well, he did gone by 89% through. of the snaps this week. So he must've had a fair sprinkling of them in there. Yeah, not many. He did, no. that, that's where he does come off the field. He doesn't have a huge no. amount of work. Sometimes he's on there, but he's not playing. He, he gets the odd snap, but he's definitely yeah. not being used on third down. You know, that okay. is definitely the role of the other backs like Abdullah and everyone else on, yeah. on the roster. That's not going to change. He's not going to get the third down work. He's never had the third down work. He's never going to get the third down work. That's just not his game. He's, he, he gets targets, but he's not going to get these sort of 10, 20 targets. He's not that guy that's super explosive he's going to break off a big screen for 50 yards but the reason why these numbers have highlighted so much more this week is the game script so the raiders have lost their opening three games so they've been chasing they've not run the ball yeah, as much correct but they obviously were winning this week and they ran the ball they used josh jacobs to control the time of possession to extend drives and they had that luxury of just using him so Josh Jacobs, you know, people are going to sit up and go, oh, Josh Jacobs had an amazing <clears throat> game. He did because the opportunity was there. He rushed the ball yep. 28 times. He's not going to rush the ball 28 times every single week. No, However, geez. he's also not going to rush at the low volumes he has been the first three weeks. But yeah. It, it, he is a little... Yeah, and I'm not going to say he's game script dependent because he's not, but, in this, but all running backs are to a certain degree. The point is that Josh Jacobs' usage maintains that he will be an RB2... <clears throat> every week with RB1 upside because he yep. has got such little competition. He is someone that you can start every week with confidence. Yes, he's going to have some low-scoring weeks. If the if the Raiders are getting blown out, he is not going to get the ball as much. That is going to happen. But he's got enough opportunity and talent to get these RB1 weeks. And that is ultimately, if you paid the fifth-round price, sixth-round price that you were getting on him, He's going to deliver you very, very good returns on on where you were drafting him. Fair, uh, I agree. I have but, a fair bit of Josh Jacobs. So he uh, fell in that Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders. So if you took a, a wide receiver type early or a, a premium QB in those first early rounds, you now this week especially Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders have, 
I've done you perfectly well. <laughs> well, I, I, I talked about Miles Sanders in the book. I talked about Miles Sanders on here. I talked about him on Fantasy Pros. Miles Sanders, for me, was just a player who was due so much positive regression, um, a significant amount of positive regression yep. because of the fact that the amount of volume he had to not score a touchdown, that's not sustainable. That's already been proved this season. He's already got multiple scores. He was always going to be in line to be better than he was last season, purely just on just just the numbers averaging out to the mean without any more opportunity. Bad. So those two players were significantly undervalued. The third one was CPAT. We'll talk about him later. Those three players were significantly undervalued in fantasy drafts. And if you went running back, if you went wide receiver heavy right now and took two of those three guys, you were absolutely laughing. But these guys have proven to be really, really good draft picks. But they, to be honest, it was so coming. Far. Yeah. So one that, if you didn't go right receiver Hurley, you may well have in the bag is, is Christian McCaffrey. Um, we were left a little disappointed, I guess, by his usage, especially in the passing game over the first early weeks. Him and Baker not quite hitting it off, but we kind of saw a bit of a change in that this week. Yeah, I think I think the coaching staff must have listened to us last week um, because they completely flipped the script. So he had nine targets last week, which almost equaled what he had done for the season at that point. Uh, nine catches, 81 yards. He only had 27 yards on the ground. Um, I guess a lot of that was probably down to the injury. They probably didn't want to run him that much. Yep. Game script played a certain uh, part of this as well. But ultimately, you'd be used to Christian McCaffrey running with the football. 100 and 100, as yeah. he did. Yeah, many but, times. So... It's hard to tell, is this now what we're going to expect, where he's mm -hmm. going to get involved in the passing game more? Or was this because of the injury, they thought we're going to give him 15 touches, 17 touches, whatever it is. But yeah. We'd much rather him get it in the open field where the tackles are less likely to be heavy. He could step out of bounds and he doesn't get hit as much. I don't know. We will find this out next week. The thing was, he was far more potent in the passing game mm -hmm. than he has been on the ground uh, this season. The one thing I would say, and the part that I'm still ultimately really concerned about with Christian McCaffrey, and this is what, again, I still talk about him not being in that upper echelon yeah. of top five running backs because it's still the usage isn't there. Even though it was better this week, especially in the passing game. Yeah, the combined usage, yeah. <laughs> and if you're playing PPR, you're really happy with what you got and you'd much yeah. rather have this Christian McCaffrey than the Christian McCaffrey from the week before. But, He's run. He's had five rush attempts in the red zone all season. Mm -hmm. Like that's not good. It's not going to get you what you need to get out of an elite running back. He only has four yards on those five, and he has got one touchdown. But he's only got one target and one catch in the red zone. So he's had the ball six times in the red zone all season in four games. It's not enough. It's not. That's not enough to get him anywhere near to where he needs to get to to be in that upper echelon. So that is something that I really hope the Panthers coaching staff are listening to, and hopefully we can see Christian McCaffrey get more usage in the red zone uh, yeah. in the coming weeks. Because that's that not PPR is still at RB5 on the year. So, you know, if you drafted him at two, you, you're okay at the minute. And yeah, you are. But it continues is... to trend the way it's going. Yeah, I still think there's some flags that I'm concerned about. And unfortunately, you're not going to get the same value you might have got because he... You know, didn't practice last week. There is injury concern, etc. Yeah. But and they've got some tough rundies coming up: San Francisco, the Rams, Tampa. So yeah, we've got to play look Tampa for twice. a massive change in it anytime soon. But it's trending better. He's still playing eighty plus percent of the snaps, so he's on the field. So 
you just got to hope that the, the talent wins through and he gets his opportunities a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Moving on. Uh, we got a receiving XN. So New York Jets, Garrett Wilson. Yeah. So I've talked about Garrett Wilson being someone who, yep. for me, is like well up there. For me, he's a bona fide top 30 wide receiver for the rest of the season. Um, you look at the box score on this and you sit there and think, oh, I started Garrett Wilson. It's an absolute disaster. He's not going to do anything with uh, with Zach Wilson. I'm here to kind of alleviate some concerns because if you looked at the stat lines, it wasn't very good. But here's what was good. And this is why looking behind the box score, looking at all the other things that make up usage and um, production. Because if you look at just the flat box score, two catches, it's not great. On a low-scoring Vegas line game. Right. But 77% of snaps is the highest he's played all season. Um, He was second in targets on the Mm -hmm. team with six. Corey Davis had seven, right? And now people are thinking, oh, it's Corey Davis season. No, 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 listen. Game script dependent. They were winning the game. So where's the ball going to go? It's going to go in the slot. It's going to go to, you know, high percentage plays. That's where Corey Davis monopolizes yep. the usage. Him and Braxton Berris, they get that that line of work. When the Jets are winning games, Corey Davis is going to have more targets to maintain time possession, keep the ball moving, yep. etc. Yep. When the Jets are losing, which they will do a uh, lot this season, a bit more. Yep. and Garrett Wilson's going to get all of that. And Garrett Wilson, for me, where I compare Garrett Wilson and his packing order is how is he doing against Elijah Moore? Because if he is getting more targets, more snaps, he didn't have more snaps than Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore did have more snaps, but he got more targets. And don't forget, they switched quarterbacks this week. So it's really interesting to see. Were they going to revert back to Elijah Moore? Or was it going to be Garrett Wilson? The truth is that Garrett Wilson still got more targets. He still got more participation. That's what's really important. Everything is still trending towards Garrett Wilson being the guy on this offense you want to own. And he has a lot of red zone targets as well. Right. He's had nine red zone targets this year, which is only behind Zach Ertz and Devontae Adams. I was hoping he was going to ask me who he was behind then. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, come across really knowledgeable because you wrote it down. <laughs> but he's, he's had as many, so he's had as many red zone targets uh, Red zone targets as Travis Kelsey. Okay. Which, Which is, is good. A lot. Yeah. yeah. Which is a lot. <laughs> You'd take that if you get it by the by the end of the season. So yeah, lots of things to love about Garrett Wilson. Don't worry about this week. One of yep. those things. Super. So the next trending you've got is someone. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Not necessarily too worried about, but someone to probably toss away and uh, pick up Mike Boone for. Uh, we're going to Tampa, Leonard Fournette and Rashad White. What are we seeing here? Well, a lot of the people will look at the box score and think, oh, wow, it's Rashad White's season. He's, he's now his way in. Yeah. He's worked his way in. Don't. It's, it's, yeah. This is the ultimate red herring, right? It's the ultimate red herring. And this is why we do this. This segment of the show is to just distill myths. And it's not Rashad White's season. He's not coming to take over. There's a really good explanation to explain what happened last week. So let's look at, first of all, they both carried the ball three times, right? So you look at that and go 50-50 workload. And then you look at Leonard Fournette's snaps. He played 61% of snaps, his lowest of the season. Doesn't look great. Rashad White is trending up. He gets five targets. He catches five balls. He scores a touchdown. You know, it's all looking great. But <clears throat> Fournette still had the most amount of catches. But the clear thing was the Bucks got down really early in this game. They were down 14-3. They had to chase the whole game. Yep. They literally just went, see ya. Goodbye the run. Just abandoned yep. it. Completely yep. abandoned it. The Buccaneers rushed the ball six Much times. Much to our pain and discomfort watching it. Because it was yeah. the one thing you could tell we needed to do. Right. So they ran the ball six times yesterday, which is the second lowest in NFL history behind yes. the 2020 Buccaneers, who did it yeah. when they got blown out to the Saints, like 38 to 3. 38 3, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. They rushed five times, if I remember rightly. That's right. Yeah. So one off their own <laughs> one off their own record. They just abandoned the run. And so they just put as many receivers out there. And listen, the Chiefs, that suited the Chiefs perfectly. It just meant, yeah, you can have runs over the middle. It's yeah. very similar to what the Chief, what the Buccaneers did to the Chiefs in, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Travis Kelsey, you can have yours over the middle. We're going to fail to give up the big play. Now, the difference was Mike Evans and the big play happened a lot. And that's why the Buccaneers kept within some sort of distance, but just not enough to actually get on to win the game. Yeah. But... The point was they dropped, they just abandoned it. It just said goodbye to the run. And so when you look at that and you think, right, you're not going to use Leonard Fournette in the, in the running game. Of course, he's not going to play that many snaps because you're just going to line up wide receivers. The fact that Leonard Fournette still played as many snaps as he did whilst only running the ball three times tells you just how important he is to this offense. I, I also think is, as well, we've got a long season ahead. <clears throat> Tampa projected to make the playoffs. He played what? 87 and 91 percent of the snaps in the games prior. He can't do that if Tampa are going to go deep in the season and into the playoffs. So you are so far behind. That. You're not targeting them as much. Just give him a little rest. I don't. I yeah. I see. I genuinely don't think that's what happened, and I genuinely okay. think they'd be quite happy for him because Leonard Fournette 
gets little niggling injuries, but you know, he's, he, you know, yeah. the last couple of years he's been back. relatively yeah. healthy, yeah. and he's bulked up this season to yeah. to try he's and resist these, almost, these, yeah. these injuries. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I just genuinely think this is one of those weird scenarios where Rashad White has been used heavily in a situation where it was literally let's throw everyone out of the receiver position. Yeah, and I don't think you're going to see that because you get Gage on account, you had Jones on account. I don't think Goldman was necessarily on account, but he definitely didn't get as much as he probably would. He also picked up a little knock on his hip, so that yeah. sort of sat so in a get, few drives, yep. So you get all of those things, you bring bodies in, but ultimately, when the Buccaneers run a more balanced offense, Rashad White is not going to be anywhere to be seen. He'll get a few touches, but he's not fantasy relevant. So those that were sitting there like, can't wait for the Rashad White breakout, it's just not going to happen. It's certainly not going to happen anytime. I think from a dynasty perspective, he has shown when called upon he can have a result and he can do a job. So I love that from a dynasty perspective. Correct. From a redraft this year, I I have to agree with you. Rashad White will not be a league winner anytime soon. Well, unless Fournette goes down, then what we we have known now is he's vaulted Keyshawn Vaughn. He is going to be the number two back, but that's it. That, and, and there's no role behind, there's no role as it currently stands for yeah. fantasy football for Rashad White in redraft. But yes, you're right. In Dynasty, you'd be very pleased uh, because it looks more and more likely that he will have a role definitely next year, but probably more importantly, the year after, yeah. uh, two years down the line, when they probably move on from Leonard Fournette with this contract and everything yeah. else that goes with it. So yeah, uh, just one of those things, uh, don't worry about. Rashad White in redraft. Super. Uh, another running back then, J.K. Dobbins, working his way back from injury. He's going the right way here? Must be. Yeah. Uh, surprised to see him play 50% of snaps. Didn't think he'd play that much, uh, but then it was a close game. They really needed uh, him out there. You know, he's always going to split time with somebody, more likely Gus Edwards when he's back. At this yep. moment, it's Justice Hill. Justice Hill played 36% of the snaps. Um, Mike Davis, for those of you that care, played 2% of the snaps. So, uh, you know, he's not a thing. Kenyon Drake was uh, completely omitted um, from this game. So, you know, it all looks good for J.K. Dobbins. This is the kind of usage we will see. Might see a little bit more uh, snaps played. I think Especially the games where they positions. get out ahead in games early as well, I think we'll see more usage on him. Well, there. it depends how much. Because if they go way out, they'll use Justice Hill or Gus Edwards or whoever it is. But in the games that what you want to see is the games that Baltimore are winning by seven. Mm-hmm. This is That's the JK. Winning or losing by seven, that kind of close game scenario really suits JK Dobbins. That is where he's going to get maximum amount of usage. So um, we saw it yesterday. Great C2 touchdowns, 62% of the total rushing attempts, double the amount of targets to Justice Hill. Everything looks good uh, as long as he's healthy. Right now, he projects to be somewhere around about RB16 to RB18. Feel good about him being in that range. It's still higher than where you probably drafted him. So it, mm-hmm. it's a good <clears throat> spot. You're yeah. not going to get too many RB1 weeks like this week out of Jake. You'll get a few. He'll break a few, and he will definitely have that RB1 upside some weeks, but it's not going to happen every week. Yeah. But this usage is good. This is the kind of usage I would at least expect as a floor for J.K. Dobbins. And first week back, really encouraging to see he's got that floor. That says to me that he is as close to health as we're probably going to get. Um, and I'm, yeah, just overall pretty positive that he had the game that he did. So mid-range RB2 with RB1 upside when he has games like he did yesterday. Super. And somebody else we touched on a little bit earlier, but a little bit more numbers and analysis behind it, if you will. Uh, Justin Fields, 
Yeah, I mean, just just terrible, right? And it's not all his fault, and I've <laughs> kind of mocked him in jest, but really, you know, 16.75 passing attempts per game, 50.7% completion percentage. He's throwing for less than 118 yards a game. Where he's averaging half a TD a game and one INT a game. And then people go, well, what about the rushing? Eight and a half rushes for 37 yards. Not going to do it. It's just not going to do it in fantasy football. It's not going to do it in NFL they're two and two. I don't know how they're two and two. I don't understand it, but whatever they are, great D, mildly offense. He is for me droppable in I he's even droppable in Superflex. Like it's that bad. You can sit there and hold on to him. Well, yeah, if you can go and get a Wentz or a Goff that are actually delivering right now for waivers, a Geno Smith off the waivers, you'd do that all day long. Because in the one QB league. Even if they're losing games and they're throwing interceptions, these guys are throwing three, four touchdowns a, a week as well to counter it. Which and Fields it, isn't giving you. And he's not rushing 15 <clears throat> times a game. No. So this offense is running a very, very low amount of plays. Mm-hmm. And they're going to run the ball with Montgomery and Herbert. And they're just yeah. going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And Justin Fields barely features in this offense. Now, it's, it's, it's embarrassing to see. It's embarrassing to watch. It's a shame almost. It is a shame. <clears throat> but this is where we are. If you have Justin Fields in a 1Q one QB league and you haven't replaced him... It's only because there isn't anyone to replace him with. Yeah. There's just no point. And if you're in a super flex league, you can't start him. You can't start him in any format. No. Your only hope in a dynasty league is to sit him and hope it improves. In a redraft, you don't need to worry about it. Just get rid of your roster. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I would much rather stream quarterback than... than Davis Webb or Justin Fields this week? Davis Webb. Because <laughs> Davis Webb throw the ball. Yeah, yeah, you left him. Yeah. Like, <coughs> what, what is, what, what is, <coughs> so look, if you work out his average game from a fantasy perspective, it spits out at like a little over 10 points a game. Okay. It's not enough for me. It's like 10.8 points a game. Super like, flex. You're t- you're you have a receiver a... that can run in there. You can, put my, you can put Melvin Gordon in there now instead. Well, it, well, let's look at it, right? So he's averaging about 10.8 points a game. Who else are you going to have? You're going to have. Josh Palmer, Nico Collins. Someone like that's probably going to put you up 8 to 12 points a game anyway. So if he was a wide receiver this week at 10.8 points in PPR, I'm just waiting for this to spit out and refresh. At 10.8 points a game, he would have been the wide receiver 33. Okay. Players just finishing above him, Nico Collins, Alec Pierce. Okay. Isaiah yep. McKenzie, who left the game. I early. bet a lot of times right. had them on their bench in a super flex league. Yeah. <clears throat> running back, he'd have been the running back 30. Uh, sorry, the running back 26. Okay. So, right there is 50 odd players that you could play over Justin Fields in the super flex spot. Yes, quite a few of them will probably be in your starting spot. But ultimately, if we looked at it from a season perspective and I went on the averages, let me tell you now. Uh, so 10.8 would put him wow, way down. I don't <laughs> even have the number. It's outside the top 50. Okay. In wide receivers. So ultimately he is performing effectively over the season as, as, an RV, as an RB as a wide receiver five. So that's how you got to view him now. So if you have him in the Superflex, he's not startable, as we're saying. Just, just 
rid yourself the headache and play an offensive player. Um, or if you can pick up, say, uh, Tyrod or because Tyrod's going to play this week, uh, yeah. Davis Webb. I, mean, I wouldn't play Davis Webb, no. but if you gave me a start no. sit between Justin Fields or Davis Webb, I'm playing Davis Webb all day long. He, you know, Bailey's out. He looks okay when he came in. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, let's put it this way: Zach Wilson is half is over halfway to uh, Justin Fields' uh, passing attempts in the season. So yeah, just just don't play cool. Justin Fields. Awesome. Um, people who else won't plan injuries. We go through the monitor every time. I said at the start of the show, there feels like there is an ever increasing I've number. I've got a new one for you. Go on. John Harwell's just come out and said that uh, Rashad Bateman is dealing with a midfoot injury. Now that okay. sounds like plantar fasciitis, if I'm honest. If that's a midfoot injury, yep. <laughs> I can't really think of any. Like if you if you're injuring the bridge of your foot, that is more likely what it is. I'm not a doctor, but I've had plantar fasciitis. You can sprain the, the arch of your foot, kind of. I've done that before playing football. Yeah, so that's really that, hard to run on. Yeah, really so that's hard. A, it takes a long time to recover to full health. So that's a new one to keep an mm. eye on. But yes, there um, are quite a lot of injuries this week. Really quickly then, let's shoot from... Javonte Williams is going to IR, ACL, MCL, PCL, pff, you name it, shame. Uh, Cordell Patterson's his knee, as it always is. He's off to IR, so it'd be a minimum of four games for him. Yeah. Uh, Tua is now officially in concussion protocol. They announced just before we come on air that he will miss this week's game against the Jets. Jonathan Taylor was believed to be a high ankle sprain. I did see earlier that the scans have come back negative and they are still hopeful that whatever it is will clear itself up in the week and, and he may go. So keep an eye on that one. It is Thursday night football. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing I would say. It is Thursday night football. If you're here in the UK watching us, I would say, yes, there is a chance he can go. If he's not practiced by Wednesday, don't risk it. Correct. Uh, Daniel Jones, I think we're still waiting scan results on that one, but again, they have to travel to London. Tyra Taylor, we don't believe with concussion protocol, will travel at all. AJ Green, I'm saying if you have to start AJ Green, you're in a, probably in a problem, but look at the rest of these injuries, you may have to start AJ Green somewhere. So, um, do you have an update on AJ Green? I'm not aware of that one myself. I don't think he's back next week, okay. could be after that. Uh, David Montgomery, I think, is expected back. They had an outside chance of him this week, so hopefully. He'll recover for this one. James Crowder broke his ankle, I heard. Yep, broken ankle. Right? Yep, broken yep. ankle. So additional tests to see what other damage went along with it. But it is likely he will miss uh, a significant amount of time. Um, he's out officially indefinitely. I would expect him to go to IR with that injury. Me too, yeah. I would probably not play him for the rest of the year. But mind you, one thing I would say... He hasn't been doing it in the fantasy leagues. So it's not, it's a horrible thing. You don't wish an injury on anyone, but it's one of those things of at least now you can kind of just move on cleanly without the guilt of what if. Well, I see you've got Isaiah McKenzie on here as well. Um, I didn't know that yeah, one. So, so. He, so he left the game. Uh, he left the game on Sunday uh, with an injury. Uh, it didn't return. I think it okay. was concussion. Um, I think Gabriel Davis was. Was pretty banged up as well and didn't play yeah. a lot of toilet games. So, so yeah, it's uh, really they'll be after Cole Beasley back soon in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, well, they can <laughs> sign him off the Bucks practice squad, so that is something that could happen. Uh, but yes, ultimately, um, yeah, Isaiah McKenzie is um, one to watch this week. Um, Michael Thomas didn't go in London with a toe injury. Yeah, so interesting to see what happens 
uh, this week to see if he can come back. Uh, as well as Jimmy Swinson, obviously, with his back injuries not on the list here, but no. he's out. So. So yeah, they've got a few a few injuries, and Alvin Kamara's not on here either. Uh, no. He's another one to watch. So the Saints just—I uh, think he was going to be close. So you'd expect with a, a longer week, they're they're going to have a bye, I guess, do they? Coming out of London, no, uh, they passed I, on it, did they? Yeah, I don't think there are week five bye. It's next week's bye, isn't it? Um, Did they both pass on the week by them? I don't think no. Yeah, no bye for the Saints till week fourteen. Yeah, that's it. Because there's no buys in week five, they're week no. six. Yeah. So yeah, they've right. got a long way to go. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, there. That's for sure. Uh, who else? Sorry, Mac Jones. Uh, Mac sure Jones. Yeah. Um, Looks not like sure. While, and now yeah. Brian Hoyer's gone down as well. Yeah, it could be that. It'd be interesting to see where he is with his injury obviously didn't yep. look good when he came off uh yep. last week or the week four week three anyway um so you, we're looking for an update on him basically i would say this if he's not practicing by thursday chance size probably not going to play correct uh lavisca chanel is a bit of a hard player anyway i think if he's coming in i wouldn't worry too yeah much that but one. once again he went down and he he yep. unfortunately is someone who always seems to get an injury so he yeah. left the game on Sunday, was quickly ruled out. It's never a good sign that quickly ruled out. So be interested to see what happens with him. you got Dak Prescott, who I think many are hoping is back for week five. Yeah. Um, no, although okay. it's 4-0, they may choose to uh, healthy scratch, Dak. What do you reckon? Well, they have the Rams in week five, so it wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. If they say um, yeah. if they If they – it depends on – at the moment, he still can't grip the ball. So I yeah. think that's going to be – He's a possible return, but okay. you know he had a surgically repaired thumb. Yeah, yeah, if he can't grip the football, he's not going to play. It's as simple yeah. as that. Like it, it's one of those. It's not like one of these injuries where they're going to wait and see what happens. It's ultimately, can you pick a ball? Can you throw a ball? Can't, can't play. It's yeah. really, really simple one to see where he is. So, Super. I would say again, if we haven't seen anything by Thursday, probably unlikely he's going to play. Yeah, uh, Cam Brett, the Bucks left uh, with concussion. He's now in concussion protocol, so we'll see how that pans out. Trade on Burks looks pretty bad. Uh, Turf he's definitely going to miss time. Yeah, definitely going to miss time. They're going to try and manage it, I think. So it'll be interesting to see how much time he does miss. Um, but yeah, he has turf toe. So that's not a, a great thing to have. Um, I've had it. It's horrid. Yeah, so there you go. Um, so they have said no surgery is necessary. Okay. So if he does miss time, it's not going to be a huge amount, uh, but he will miss some time. So yeah, he's not going to play on Sunday, so which far. does make this question here. Uh, can yeah. Woods handle our wide receiver one load? All the Titans rely on Henry and Hooper. Uh, yes, Woods can handle the load. It's whether or not they will give him the load. Uh, but he can handle it for sure. He's uh, a phenomenal talent, Robert Woods. I think for me, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. I would have said um, the last two weeks we've seen Derek Henry start to look like Derek Henry. Absolutely, uh, I, I would not be surprised to see that continue now as well. It, and isn't it funny that as soon as he starts looking like Derek Henry, the Titans start winning games? Correct. Yeah. It, they're a very one-dimensional offense. Yeah. Uh, Robert Woods with this kind they of news probably. Yeah, Robert Woods probably becomes an interesting like top 40 play now. I've been hovering him around yeah. uh, wide receiver 60. So he probably becomes a top 40 play now that he's not dealing with Burks. But uh, I still don't think he's like a must start in all formats. Cool. 
We've got Keenan Allen, who I think has been close to playing the last two games. So, yeah. If it's back. not, it's worse. They're certainly not letting on that there's a bigger problem there. Yeah, I need him back. Um, I've got I've got him on so many fantasy teams. That, that one's killing me right now. So and we've got DeAndre Swift, who's going to be out for I think another couple of weeks at the very least here. Yeah, I think that's likely that he's going to be back, and I don't think they're going to rush him back because they've got enough with uh, Jamal Williams and Craig Reynolds to. Well, it's to... not on here, and it isn't going to be too fantasy relevant. But Lewis Seen, the Vikings, obviously. Oh, that was nasty. Leg. Yeah, in the game in London and went immediately for surgery here in London. So I hope that pans out. Yeah, I mean, that's a horrible injury. He, he will be yeah. out for quite some I mean, he won't be back this year. No. Anything else, Matt? I think we've gone through what feels like a hell of a lot, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> we have. I, I feel like we've, we're have we still sort of recovering week four. I mean, it'd be great. Um, you and I are going to be sitting together uh, on Sunday, so I'm we really are, looking sir. forward to uh, to sitting and watching the game with you. Um, and and you know, the, we'll be in London. You'll be in yep. London far earlier than I will be, but um, I think yeah, <laughs> the plan is to get to London quite early. And be great to see some of you. Uh, do yep. hit us up on the Twitter machine if you are around, and uh, let's try and link up where where possible. Be great to meet uh, some of you. Um, all of you or whoever is coming uh, and spending some time and chatting ball and happy to answer questions. I'm not going to do too much fantasy stuff during the game. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to I always to find these games, games are difficult because you you are right. I will meet earlier. We'll have a drink. You'll forget about your lineups and you'll get to there and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be, I don't like these my, I'll be setting all my on the train. So... Uh, I've got a nice journey back to uh, to London. So, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to spending some time here. Looking forward to seeing some of you. But, yeah, do get in touch with Dan and I yep. if you're around. Okay. And we'll try and meet up with uh, as many of you as we can. Um, so, yeah, just uh, just reach out. Good to see you. Awesome. On that note, then, Muff, I'm going for dinner. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, as always, <clears throat> tune in next week. And we look forward to welcoming you then. But until then, don't forget, as always. Hello, I'm Tom Standage, host of The World Ahead, the podcast from The Economist that explores the future. Over eight weekly episodes, starting on November the 28th, I'll be talking to Economist journalists and special guests to get expert insights into the year ahead. We'll explore critical themes from soaring inflation and the impact of the war in Ukraine to chaos in the energy markets and China's uncertain post-pandemic path. Topics include, has China peaked? What does the war in Ukraine mean for the fight against climate change? How will economies cope with looming recession? Will passwords be replaced by pass keys? And just how exactly do forecasters predict the future? Join us to sharpen your foresight with the world ahead from The Economist. Start listening on your podcast app. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.